But anyway, so guys, uh, today we're finishing this entire ser- series, this ambassador series. So um, I, I love this word ambassador because it, it talks about an ambassador is someone who represents someone higher of authority. In this case, God is the king, right? He created the world and everything in it. Am I right? So God created everything. He is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He is the great I am, the alpha, the omega. He's the beginning and he will definitely be the end. He's already secured the entire victory. He is God. There's only one God and he is the king. And an ambassador is someone sent by the king to represent the king. Okay, that's all of us. If you have been saved, if you've asked Jesus into your heart, the Bible says that you have been adopted as his child. So if you are an adopted child to the king, then that makes you ladies a princess and you men a prince to the king. You represent him. So as an ambassador, I need to understand the moment I say yes to Jesus, I become an ambassador whether I like it or not. So this entire series has been about, listen, this needs to get, our life needs to get back to being about the king. His kingdom. And here, you know how hard that is? Because we all have little lowercase key kingdoms. K kingdoms. We all have these little kingdoms. We're building our own little homes, our own little businesses, our own little dynasties. We're, We're doing all of these things and we forget. And God's kingdom so often becomes secondary to our life, our business, our career, our kids. Parents, how many times does the kids come before God and his kingdom? Kids, how often do sports and activities and extracurricular activities come before God and his kingdom? And so the point is, is understanding and coming to a place of understanding that that I'm, I have been chosen by God to represent him in all of my affairs, how I do business, how I work, what kind of an employee am I am, or what kind of a boss I am. In every area of my life, I represent the king because I bear his name. Do you call yourself a Christian? I do. I bear the name of my king. Therefore, I am an ambassador. So last week, we came to the pinnacle peak of the series, and uh, we, we hit 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So here's the deal. We, God reconciled us to himself, then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. He then goes on to say in this verse, we are ambassadors of Christ. Here's the deal. You are an ambassador. You may not like it. You may not want it. You say, well, that's too heavy. My life is a mess. Well, get over that. Your life is a mess. My life gets to be a mess. It gets messy. But here's the deal. I'm his ambassador. The moment I say, yes, Jesus, save me from my sins, you're an ambassador. And here's what's amazing. I love how it says, as though God were pleading through us, because he is. God is through your life pleading. He is trying to plead through your life to those he puts you around. 
your neighbor, your family, your kids, your parents, your aunts and your uncles, all of your cousins, the people, your friends at school, the, your, your, your co-workers, everywhere you are, God is trying to plead through you to them. That's what he wants to do. But how many of us shut that down? I, uh, I once heard, you know, so the most effective church is not the church that has the most effective ministries inside of it. Like, I love how many youth we have. I'll tell you what, your guys' little mosh pit thing here is awesome. <laughs> and if I wasn't worried about pulling a hammy, I might join you. But, um, man, I, I, I love the energy our youth have. That's a great ministry of the church. I love to see. I, I love when we have problems. I, I would rather find, like, what are we going to do when you have, have. Did you know that, like, a couple of weeks ago we had 20 infant toddlers in the nursery room that was designed for, like, eight? You know? I, I thought, you know, what I was thinking about doing, I was thinking about grabbing all of the you know, all of our leaders who haven't yet um, pledged, I was thinking about signing them up for the nursery and say, I bet after, after they spend one week with 20 kids in a little room, I bet they'll be like, how much does this check need to be? <laughs> Let's go right now, you know. So um, now that was just my, my friendly, laughable threat, but it's going to happen. You know, I'm like, okay, tell me who hasn't pledged. I'm signing them up for nursery this week. So, um, so here's the thing, though, is, is when you look at this, the most effective church is not the church that has the best ministries under its roof. Though that's good, it ain't the most, the most effective church is when the members of that church infiltrate an entire community and city. When you get Christians who are sitting in the government office, when you get Christians who are teaching in the schools, when you get Christians, and I'm talking about not just the one who says I'm a Christian, I'm talking about the born again, full of the Holy Spirit, kind of ambassador. When your teachers in a school are ambassadors for Christ, when you get your mayor and, your, and all of the city officials, when they're all on fire for Jesus, you change an entire city. It's not about what happens under the building. It's what comes out of that building that transforms a community. So my desire is not that this church has greatest ministries under. I'm okay with mediocre ministries. What I want is to send ambassadors of Christ out of this building to change a community that is desperate for Jesus Christ. That's what an ambassador, because God is pleading through you. He is trying to cry out through your life to help the person. And I love it when people say, well, that person is just not savable. Well, you don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. I'll tell you what. When somebody who's made um, a lifetime of mistakes comes to a place where they forgive themselves and they accept the forgiveness of God, there's no evangelist like that. It's those that think they're unsavable that get saved that are the ones that turn the world upside down. I was saved at the age of eight, and I have nothing to those who have felt the extreme forgiveness and love of Christ at a level that I don't yet understand. That's just a reality. All right, this is what happens when I have no notes. We just stay there for a long time, and I just start talking. So it's a good thing the Chiefs play at 3.30, you know? (laughs) 
All right, so guys, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you to receive the grace of God not in vain. So we, 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 we plead, right? We plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. I'm like, wow. You know, so he first, the first part I want to say this, we as workers, now your, your translation may say co-workers, but what he's saying is this, we workers together with God. So this is a, this is a continuation of the verse that I just shared with you. Chapter 5 ends and chapter 6 begins. Here's the thing that I need you to understand about chapters and verses in the Bible. They were not, when God was giving the, the scriptures to Paul to write the letter to the Corinthians, he didn't say, uh, chapter 5, verse 20, say this. He gave Paul the words, Paul wrote the words, and it was one big letter. Then we, down the road, began to chop that up and put chapters and verses, which makes it really easy because I could say, go turn to the Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, and we all go there right? That's what's nice about that. But understand that not every chapter ends and then, then it's completely different. This is a continuation of the same thoughts. Chapter 5 goes right into chapter 6. So he's, he's concluding what we're talking about. You know, as God is pleading through you, we then as workers together with God. So God is trying to work through you. So we are working with him. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ to do good works. So when he says, I created you for this, God created you to be an ambassador. God created you for this. He created you for this time. He put you in the, 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 the place that you live and the business that you serve. None of it's by accident. So we work, and have you ever guys noticed, we, we all have something inside of us that drives us to work? I mean, I would say that probably at least like 90% of, of the human, you know, most people really do have a drive to work, right? You have something inside you that's like, let's, let's go get it done, right? Let's go. Am I right? Or is, there, is it just maybe the 10% and 90 don't want it? But here's the deal is there's something inside of you that wants to go make something. You want to build a garden. There's something inside you that wants to go do something well. Am I right? That's why we get so caught up in our careers. But we, what happens is we so often get caught up in the wrong kingdom. We're all workers, but we get focused on working for the wrong kingdom. Guys, I get it. I'm not telling you to go quit your jobs because we'll be doing this in the dark. All right? We'll be living on ramen noodles. And that's not good for my wife's health. So here's the thing. She's allergic. So, so what I'm wanting you guys to understand is that we, we have something inside of us that wants to go work. We want to build something. So the moment I got into sheep, man, I was all in. I, 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 I changed everything, and I invested in this really expensive ram, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And I'm like, and I've got my records, and I was all in, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I'm spending so much time here. And I'm looking at all these, you know, all the, all the, the, the registration papers, and then, then, then it's, then, okay, well, then I, I, my mind goes off of that, and then I go work for something else. I remember, you know, one of the things I have to be really careful for, it's not working, it's a hobby, but I can get to working at it, is hunting. I love hunting. Oh, I love hunting. I love being in a tree, and I love chasing big bucks. I'm not even going to lie to you. 
When I see a big rack going through the woods, I'm like, mm-hmm. I get all excited, you know. Um, I, I just, I, I, I love it. Well, the thing is, is that what I find is that we all, we all have a habit of working really hard towards something we really want. Am, am I right? Every one of us, there's something inside you that wants to work towards something. What'd you guys do? All right. I'm watching you guys back there. So the thing is, though, is, is that we all have this. That's probably the time, like, dude, if you're ever going to get done, you've got like 20 more of these. No, I'm, I, we don't. We don't. We have, we have very few slides. Um, but what I'm wanting you guys to, to, to get to is that we all have this thing of we, we work. But here's the problem is that so often we're really just focused on the things that we want to focus on that's about us. What happened if you would put this, like, what if I put the same energy that I do towards chasing a big buck for the kingdom of God? Okay, but that, that, that's something I'll put on me, but what would you put on you? If you put the same effort that you do in building your business, but you did that same energy and effort towards God's kingdom? Huh? Or... What is that? What, what is the thing that, man, if I put the energy that I put in towards this, but I, but I put the same, not saying stop doing that altogether, I'm just saying is what if I put the same energy into this? What if I put my same passion and same drive towards God's kingdom? Because guess what? When we die, that's, what, that's all of eternity. That's an eternal kingdom that we're going to walk into. And everyone, the Bible says that we will stand before God and we will receive what's due to us. That's the wages. There are wages that we're earning. And he says some will just get in and they'll just slip in by the skin of their teeth. But some will be welcomed in and they will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like I I say over and over, that's what I want so bad. So to receive, so he says, as workers together with him, we plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. To receive the grace of God. He's talking about our salvation. He's saying when you receive salvation, don't receive it in vain. Well, let me tell you what vain means. To receive something in vain is to receive it without purpose. Or wasting the purpose of what was received. God saved you. So we were reconciled with God and then given what? The ministry of reconciliation. God saved you and now wants to save others through your life story. We live in a in, in a, such a, a prideful, selfish world that we almost come across, even though I don't think we believe this, we still kind of act like it. We almost act like we're doing God a favor by receiving that salvation. You know, God, I mean, it was pretty smart of you to choose me, you know. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Isn't that kind of sometimes how we act? And rather than the other way of going, God, I don't deserve one ounce of this grace, and God, I'm going to do whatever I can to turn this world upside down for you. What would that look like, right? Right? 
In the next verse, verse 3, he says, We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. So the thing that I'm going to be, you're going to see uh, statements over that I'm going to be making. And all of this comes to this. We've been making these different statements throughout the last month and a half about being an ambassador. And today's lesson is an ambassador protects their ministry. That's the, the, the title, if you will. An ambassador protects their ministry. So a lot of times I, I see young people and they give their life to the Lord and then they enter into all of these different roads and you're like, oh, that road's not wise, that road's not... And, and as, a, as somebody who's been in the ministry for 23 years, I'm always constantly looking at, at young people when they first... You're like, I'm called to ministry and then they're doing these things. And they're like, oh, you don't, don't, stop, 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 stop. Because what, what they don't realize is that they're placing their ministry in jeopardy. One of the things that Barbara and I did very early on in our ministry is that I don't counsel women. She doesn't counsel men. Together we can counsel, and together we prefer to counsel couples. So I can counsel a couple, but I can't counsel a woman. Won't do it because I'm going to protect the ministry. There's not going to be any um, opportunities for that ministry to be hindered by putting myself in a situation that is unwise because God gave me this great responsibility, and the devil's going to do everything he can to take it away. Every one of you has a ministry. You're to protect that ministry. If you're a parent, <laughs> you have a ministry, and however many children you have, that's how many ministries you got going on, right? If you have a lot of children and you're a glutton per punishment like Barbara and I, you got a lot of ministries running around the house. Last night, our ministries doubled because everybody brought a friend. And we're like, you know, you get to a point when you have so many kids in the house and somebody's like, can I bring somebody? I'm like, well, that's one more at this point. I mean, at this point, we got like a whole football team in here. You know, let's go. I'm like, at that point, let's just go. So, so the thing is, is that every one of you has a ministry. If you, if you have a job, you have a ministry because a ministry is where God has placed you to help others. Ministry means to help. So you, everyone sitting in here has a ministry. So the thing is, you need to protect that ministry. And so the, the point that I would want to start off with is this. Protect your ministry by not becoming a stumbling block. A stumbling block would be something that, like if, I, if we were all walking down a path and I put a big brick on the path, but you didn't see the brick and you stubbed your toe and you tripped on it, that's a stumbling block to put something in someone's path that they will trip over. So 2 Corinthians 6.3, we give no offense. Now I'm going to get to the stumbling block. We give no offense, the word offense here, right? So that our ministry can't be blamed. So I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to cause anyone to stumble so that they would say that my, my ministry. So here's the deal. Luke 17.1, Jesus says, said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. So one verse says we give no offense. Then Jesus, but previously Jesus says there's no way that people won't be offended. So here's what... I want to explain what this means. You're going to offend people, right? And especially the day and age that we live in, it's pretty hard not to offend people. Am I right? I mean, man, you can't do anything without offending someone. So Jesus is saying, listen, in this world, people are going to be offended. Paul says, well, hey, I'm going to give no offense in anything. What he's saying is I'm not going to, on purpose, do anything that's going to offend somebody else. I'm not going to do something. If I know that Paul struggles with something, I'm not going to do something in front of Paul. Let me give you a great example. So 
Um, everybody has different, um, different beliefs about different things. When we get to heaven, we'll get it all straightened out. But there's a lot of different people who have a lot of different things, thoughts about alcohol. So if you're a Southern Baptist, you probably believe that alcohol is a sin. I mean, I, I, the reason why I said Southern Baptist, I went to a Southern Baptist college, and it was absolutely 100% against alcohol then you'll get um so but if you're from a lutheran background is, is anybody like i'm lutheran anyways you, okay we got a lutheran so it's like wait i'm gonna wait and hear what he says before i you know but but i know some i have some really good friends that are lutherans and and hey alcohol is just fine well what happens is now you got two different groups having two different things if I was a person who says, I don't have a problem with, with having a drink of alcohol, guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to have a drink right in front of my Baptist buddy over here. Because now I'm going to be doing something that would possibly offend him. And for what purpose? There is no purpose there. See, I mean, when, when, when Jesus turned water into wine, some people believe that, hey, it wasn't fermented. But yet Jesus talked about how you could get drunk and things like that, right? So the, the reality is this. It doesn't matter whether you think that alcohol is okay or whether you don't think it's okay, the point is I'm not going to do anything in my walk that's going to cause someone else to stumble. So if this person doesn't like drinking, I'm definitely not going to be drinking. And just because somebody else likes to drink, and I'm not talking, drunkenness is a sin, absolutely, I want everybody to hear that, all right? It's, okay? But some people say, well, I, I feel like I, I can have a drink or I can have a, a, a glass of wine or, 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 or something. What I'm wanting you to understand is that when, when he says, I'm not going to give any occasion to cause offense to somebody. An example would be this. Paul um, really lived more like a Gentile after he got his ministry going. Well, the Gentiles ate bacon. You guys, how many of you guys like bacon? Okay. I saw this little, this little picture. It had a jar of, of bacon grease, and it says, I too like to dabble in essential oils. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so here's the thing, though. But if you had a Jewish friend next door, and they do not eat bacon, you're not going to go over there and have a bacon sandwich, a BLT, right in their face. Because what Paul's saying is, listen, I'm not going to do anything in this ministry to lead to offense to anyone else. Because he said that would not be what Christ, Christ doesn't want us walking around flaunting your particular freedom just because you feel free to do it. So what Paul's saying is, listen, I'm so focused on God's kingdom. If you don't eat pork, I ain't eating pork today. If you, if you, if you only eat salad, I'm eating salad today with you, brother. But when I get home and you're not looking, I'm eating my cheeseburger. You know, so, but the thing is, is what he's trying to say is, listen, I'm not going to go around and put any stumbling blocks in front of people because all that's going to do is harm the ministry of God. So I'm not going to do anything that I, that, that, that even though I feel the freedom to do, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to cause anyone else to stumble in their faith. Some people... It's smoking, some people it's drinking, some people it's foods, it's, some people it's uh, alcohol, some people it's dancing. I mean, I, I remember that there was a time where dancing led, led to sex, you know? I'm like, what kind of dancing is that? <laughs> kind of sounds like dirty dancing. <laughs> that was punny. All right, so, so, all right, so, but here's the thing is, is that we have on all of these, this is what happens when I don't have my notes, I'm just saying. 
Um, so, so what I'm wanting you to understand is that we, we, you know, like, hey, if that was, if that's a big issue with somebody, then hey, let's not do that here. You know, let's, let's, we don't have to go through there. I remember there was a time uh, when my, my dad was young, he said that, you know, they, they, they thought that going to the movies was a sin. You know, the big theaters. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the thing is, is that what Paul's saying is, I'm not going to do anything in my life that's going to cause someone else to stumble. So if I want to represent Christ and, and I have this ministry that God's given me, I'm not going to do anything that compromises that. I'm not going, when I'm around my kids, I need, to, I need to stop doing things around my kids that are going to cause them to stumble. So, all right, moving on. So, by becoming all things to all people, in 1 Corinthians, I know we're in 2nd, but in 1 Corinthians, Paul actually states this. This is kind of a, a, a coming off of the last, the last slide. He says, for although, for though I am a free, 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 from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Listen, this is the heart of Paul, and this is going along with what he's trying to say. He says, I've become a servant to all that I might win the more. What it, Paul's idea is this I want to win as many to the Lord as possible. So he says, uh, And to the Jews, I became a Jew, not eating bacon. Okay? I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, but that would be something that we'd all. If you're going to be a Jew today, you're not eating bacon. So he says, when I, to the Jews, see that, did you see that? To the Jews, I become a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, I'm living under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. So to you, if you're following this law, don't do this and don't, I'm not going to do that around you because I want to win you over to the Lord. He said, I'm focused on what the kingdom is all about. So to the Jews, I'm a Jew. To the Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. To the weak, I'm weak. To the strong, I'm strong. So what Paul says is, man, I become all things to all people. Woo, man. There towards the end, he says, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker of it with you. He's saying, man, I'm doing this all for the, this is all for the gospel. So when I'm, when I'm spending time in a Jewish town, I'm observing the Jewish customs. When I'm hanging out with the Gentiles, I, I'm eating ham. Is anybody hungry for lunch, right? So what, what I love about that is that he's, I'm, I, he goes by all, I want, what his goal is is this. God, I want to represent your kingdom. God, I want to win as many people as possible. So God, what I want to do is I'm going to, whoever I'm with, now, does that mean, did he say that to the sinners I become a sinner? No. It wasn't about that. And that's something we're going to get to, you young people, before you start reading ahead of me, all right? So now, getting back to our passage in 2 Corinthians, I'm going to protect the ministry that God gave me by be, being commendable in all situations. Uh, since we started doing the studies through, through 2 Corinthians, we've seen this word more than any other word, commendable, commendable, commendable. He says this, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God's in much patience. Listen to what he's saying. In much patience. In tribulation. In need. In distress. In stripes. That means when you're whipped. Imprisonment. In tumults. Uh, labor. Uh, sleepless nights. Fasting. Uh, don't have enough fingers to break out toes. Purity. By knowledge. By long suffering. By kindness. By the Holy Spirit. By sincere love. By the word of truth. I mean, what he's saying is in everything, in everything in my life, 
I'm going to make sure that I'm living in a way that's commendable to others. So I'm going to be commendable when I'm suffering. I'm going to be commendable when I'm hurt. I'm going to be commendable when I'm pulled over. I'm going to be commendable. I'm going to be commendable in every situation of life. So the question is this, are you living a commendable life before God? Because that's what he's saying is, in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. He talks about being patient. Are you patient with others? In tribulations, when things go bad in your life, do you fall apart or do you continue to live through that? You know, we need to suffer. We need to learn how to suffer well. Fasting's not always on purpose. Sometimes you're fasting just because there's no food to be had. He spent sleepless nights. He lived out his faith in purity with long-suffering and kindness and the Holy Spirit. He lived out sincere love even when he was not loved. The word of truth, the power of God, the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good. He, was, he made sure that he was living commendable when people were talking bad about him and I'm going to live commendable when they're talking good. As known and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making others rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. He goes, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to live commendable before God. That's how you protect a ministry. In the next verse, verse 14 and 15, he says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, that's the devil, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? So if I were going to put that into words, I'd be protecting my ministry by protecting my influence. Every one of you has leadership. Leadership defined. When I was in the uh, when I was in the U.S. Army and we're going through basic training, one of the classes we had, we took a leadership class. And I remember that first day they said, "Here's what leadership is: your ability to influence others." I'm like, "That's pretty spot on." Leadership is your ability to influence others. So the level of your leadership varies based upon your ability. But you have influence. Everyone has an, a layer of, a level of influence. Parents, you have an influence over your children. Spouse to spouse, there's a level of influence there. Every one of you has some level, some degree of influence to people in your life. If I was going to protect the ministry, I would make sure that I'm protecting that influence. Well, he says, don't be unequally yoked together. So what does unequally yoked means? It means that when two people have completely two different views of life, they probably won't make a great match. So the first thing that when our girls come home and they tell us that they found a cute boy, the first question that my wife or I, whoever's first, will say, do they believe in Jesus? Because they're about to meet him. (laughs) 
going to take them right to the altar and drop them off. So the thing is, is that a lot of times kids, they see each other and, oh, he's cute and, oh, she's cute, and they have this attraction. That's uh, lust. Okay, that's, that's what that is. It's lust. She's hot. He's good looking. You know, that's what it is. It's a chemical uh, a chemical reaction to the looking at the other person like, oh, they're so pretty, but they don't know anything about that person. They, they don't know anything yet. And so the Bible's saying, hey, you need to be really careful about making sure that you don't get unequally yoked with someone. My wife said to one of my daughters, she says, well, what you need to do is you just need to chase after God. And if you look over and you find somebody else chasing after God just as hard as you're chasing after God, then we'll have this conversation. That's pretty good, right? And in fact, I, I would want to say this. If that boy doesn't love Jesus more than he thinks he loves you, he's not worthy of you. In the same way to any young man, if she doesn't love Jesus more than she thinks she loves you, and here's the reality, is if that person doesn't love Jesus more than you, they'll never be able to love you the way that God tells us to love. So the reality is that in our relationships, boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives, we should not be unequally yoked. Now, for some, some people, we'll be like, well, good. I'm, I'm married and my spouse is a, is a turd. And they don't believe in Jesus. Paul Shakin said, I, I, listen, I don't have my notes. The Bible also says, to any of you thinking of a good idea, this is my escape clause, it says that if you married and the, the person that you're married is not a believer and yet they will stay with you, then you are to stay because you will become their spiritual covering. Man. And I have seen some, some spouses who loved the Lord so much they stayed in some difficult situations only that, that love that they had for the Lord, they began to show to their spouse. And their spouse got saved and turned around and fell in love with God too. But here's the thing. There's a reason why he says if we would be more cautious entering into our relationships, understanding what the Bible says. It says don't be unequally yoked. And what he's trying to get us to understand is that you need to be careful because if you get yoked to someone who's not like you and does not have the same spiritual desire, they don't have the same love for God, that will affect you. It will. So it's a lot easier to not start in that place. It's a lot easier if you young people would understand that, hey, the first prerequisite is how much does that person love Jesus, then I'll see if I should even think about being attracted to him. So don't be unequally yoked. This is not just a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. This is in all areas of your relationship. Let me show you uh, furthermore. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 
Have you ever noticed that the people you hang with end up influencing your behavior? So I ask the question, who's leading who? Because God doesn't want us, he doesn't want us to live of the world, but you have to live in the world. And he wants us to reach lost people, right? So God wants us to reach the lost. He wants us to to offer hope to the hopeless. So you're going to have to know some people who are hurting to be able to minister to them. But he also is saying, hey, you need to be careful because if you're spending all your time with, with, with people who are going down the wrong road, you're going to be on the same road that they're in because you're hanging out. Guilty by association. You ever heard of that? We have to be careful with the friends we surround ourselves with. Because either, when you're walking down this road, you will either be able to lead people out of that life or you will get brought into that life. So, the question then comes back to what degree or what level of leadership do you have in your life? Are you a person who is so strong in your faith that no one leads you astray? And you're pulling people out of the straying life? Or are you finding yourself drifting further and further and further away from God? You you hear the old phrase, um, birds of the same feather flock together, right? So, what do we do with that, right? What do we, when he tells us to not be unequally yoked, and then turns around and also warns us that that bad company corrupts good character, I need to be very careful with the people that I surround myself with. So, in high school... I, I was friends with everybody. My, my wife and I sometimes uh, debate over this because she's like, you didn't have any friends. I'm like, everybody was my friend. She's like, yeah, not real friends. You know, her, her concept of real friends was that, you know, you have like one person. I like, I, everybody was my friend. I'm like, hey, we're all friends. And, but, but the thing was is that I was so much um, independent in my own life that I really never buckled under any kind of peer pressure. Peer pressure didn't bother me like, you, I'm not doing that. And I just go do my own. I always was doing my own thing. But we have to be really careful because we live in this world where you're trying to fit in. Like, I, like young people, the pressure that they have, you know, you, you know, parents, you may not even know what a big deal vaping is in the schools right now. Huge, and the peer pressure that comes with that. Did you get it? What are you? I'm pretty sure he's done. Pretty, pretty sure he's done. Help you? No, you're on your own, buddy. Um, but so. Who's influencing who? When you go to work, 
and you, and you have people that you're working with, are you influencing them towards Christ? The, 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 the people you live with, the, your, your neighbors, your coworkers, the, the kids you go to school with, the kids that are on your same sports team. What I'm wanting you to come down to, and I mean this is the ending place right here, is that are you influencing others? Is God pleading through you and you have enough leadership in your life that it's influencing other people to get out of that way of life, the way that's leading to hell, the, the broad path that's going down the wrong road, or are you compromising your leadership by either doing what they're doing or just not wanting to be offensive at all and not do anything at all? Paul said when we first got this service started is that you are the light of the world. Jesus said you are the light of the world. See, if you are cussing, I hate the shirt that says, yes, I'm a Christian and I cuss a little. I think that is such hypocrisy, such hypocrisy, such, there's no such thing as a, Chris, a cussing Christian. There's no such thing as a homosexual Christian. There's no such thing as a drunk Christian. There's, there's no, there, there, the, the, you don't put your sin with Christ. Christ came to get rid of the sin. I'm just a Christian. I may struggle with a potty mouth. I may struggle with an addiction. That ain't who I am. I'm in Christ. And so what I'm wanting you guys to come to a place of is what kind of leadership and influence do you have on those around? Have you surrounded yourself with so many people walking down the, the wrong road that you're walking down that road? Or are you willing to make a stand and say, you're my friend and I love you, but I am not walking down that road? Where are you at? So who's leading who? See, my prayer would be that you would have everyone as a, as a friend in your life, but that you are not following anyone else. You're following Christ. And I will not follow anyone who's not following Christ. So the, great, the best pastor you could ever have is a pastor who's following Christ. If your pastor isn't following Christ, find a new one. In the same way, the kind of influence that you have in people's lives do they know that you're a Christian? Do they see you following him? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about your influence. I want you to think about how precious the ministry that God gave you is. If you're married, that spouse in the eyes of God is precious. Jesus died on the cross for your spouse. Poured out his blood so that your spouse could be saved. God Almighty gave to you the children that you have. And they are a precious ministry. God gave you the ability to have the job that you have. 
He placed you where you live. Everything that God has done in your life is on purpose and with purpose. So right now what God is wanting to do is He's wanting to plead through you in all the influential circles that He gave you. If you're married, you have an influence that God is wanting to plead through you to your spouse and to your children and to their children. He placed you in a neighborhood and He wants you to minister to the people around you. He's wanting to plead through you to reach them. Are we so caught up in our own life that we are of no value to the real kingdom that we're here to serve? I think of the teachers and coaches, how much influence they have over their students, that God gave them such an amazing ministry. Even if it's in a public school, they have a ministry. My coaches were so influential in my life towards God. So I'm wanting you right now, and I'm challenging you, that God gave you influence. He gave you the people that are around you. And I'm wanting you for a moment to really think about what kind of an influence you have and what kind of an influence you are. And maybe today, maybe today is a day that we need to come to that realization that God has made us a co-worker with Him. That He sent you on mission. And maybe we've been ignoring that mission. Maybe today is the day we say, God, I'm not ignoring it anymore. Maybe this is the day you commit to pray for your spouse like you've never prayed before. Pray for your children. Maybe children, you need to be praying for your parents. How will God... Show His light through you. So right now, the altar is open. I pray that our prayer today is, God, make me a light. That God would help you shine in a dark place. Today would be a day that you stop being influenced, but you start being an influencer. And the kind that influences others towards God and not towards their own agenda. That God would use you right where He placed you. That your prayer would be, God, use me and show me what you would have me do. My prayer is that God would expand the territories wherever you are. That God would begin to open doors for you to represent Him.